You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Guy plays for Wolves, right? Nito, Nito plays for Wolves, if I remember correctly. Neto. Because I remember him. Yeah, Neto. I, I like calling him Nito, though. Uh, and I just remember because he scored uh, on Monday against Southampton. So every time I get a notification about him scoring, I just go, that's real fucking. Nito. Nito. How Nito. Nito is that? Oh. Oh, my. What a day. Yeah. What, what a. a- Free Thanksgiving Day. My goodness. I'm gonna tell you, you know, you know how crazy this day was? I, I literally was I literally forgot until like I got up at work to go to the bathroom at like 345 and looked at my phone <laughs> and had like uh it's like uh yeah, you're 30 minutes into the match with uh at Atlanta. I was like, oh shit, I forgot we were in playing Champions League today. Yeah. That was the weirdest thing. Like, I started getting notifications because, yeah. you know, they have the, the early games on Tuesday. I'm, like, getting yeah. notifications at, like, noon about a game. So I'm like, what? What match? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, the Champions League. That's the early cool. matches. But the thing is, so it's, like, even through my work email, I have the, um, I have, like, a Champions League reminder on there where it, like, mm-hmm. pops up all the matches, right? It's, I don't mm-hmm. know, an Outlook. It's something you can, you can, like, add calendars onto it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my stuff, it pops up and I just like always hit dismiss because I mean, okay, thank you for the reminder, but I don't need it. But we mm-hmm. were kind of busy this afternoon and um, so I got up, you know, it was like three, four, five. I was like, oh, hey, I'll be, I'll be back if you know. I go, it's like, oh, let me check my phone and see if I've got a text. And I was like, oh, shit, I've got Liverpool updates. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so I totally forgot we were even playing today. And then when I looked at our lineup, I was like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter that I forgot. <laughs> it's like because today we play what usually would be like our league cup team. Yeah. It's like, and it's the fucking Champions League. Yeah. That was um that was interesting when I saw that lineup. I was like, oh, okay. Well, well that's what happens when like half your team is dead. So. Yeah, that's true. That, that's true, and you still have to play the Premier League, and we're about to enter yeah, holiday exactly. season. Exactly, and you know, obviously, we'll get into it a little more, but you know, we're we took care of business thus far, so we're in a we're in a very solid position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh well, they lost. It's like well, something really matter. <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Um. So you know. Yeah. So still still have a two point buffer. It's like, okay, just take care of business from here on out. And I mean, hell, mm-hmm. that was the toughest team in the group to play. So mm-hmm. you know, from here on out, I mean we played the Danish Minnows and we play uh 
Michelin. Yes, the Danish mina is Michelin. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'm still confident we'll be okay. Yeah. You should be fine. Yes, when, when your back line is uh, Nico Williams, Reese Williams, uh, and Simikas. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and like the biggest thing you're, the biggest thing you're hoping for on that back line is just like, don't let Joel Maddox hurt himself somehow. <laughs> so that's really all we care about. It's like, we don't even give a shit if we actually, if we lose this game, just don't let Joel Maddox get hurt today. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Man, the uh, I, I did I did take a peek over at uh, Liverpool's Reddit uh, after the match, and the amount of uh, the amount of downvoting and angry commenting uh, about the uh, about which Williams was actually bad because only one of them was apparently bad, and so if you said the wrong one was bad, oh man, you got downvoted hell. <laughs> I mean, when you look at it, it's too. Freaking teenagers playing over there. I'm not too worried about, you know, one of the best attacking teams in Europe eating them up a little bit. It's it's not the end of the world, people. But yeah, you know, can't tell can't tell the message boards that. I think one person and I and I can and then I'll I'll get your take on this and then we can start because I know you're at least a little bit plugged into the youth scene over there. I think this was in 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 talks about Nico Williams of mm-hmm. the two Williamses. Right. Um one of the one of the commenters was basically like, "What what does he do?" And it's not like not, he wasn't saying he was bad, but it's like, right. "What in the nineteen year old do we see? What what do people see in him that make you think this guy could be a future uh, Liverpool first teamer?" That, that and that was like the biggest one I came away with was mm-hmm. and like the most level headed. Um, criticism I, I could think of that I actually saw in there because there was a lot of ugh, not great right. stuff. Um, but the, that one was like, huh, that seems like a fair question. So I figured mm-hmm. I'd at least pose that to you to see like what 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 is his it factor, I guess. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, the, the biggest knock against Nico Williams mm-hmm. is that Everybody expects because he came through the academy and he broke through here at 18, 19 years old. So it's oh, he must be Trent Alexander Arnold. <laughs> and and that, that's that's the biggest knock against Nico Williams is you're not Trent Alexander Arnold. I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, Trent Alexander Arnold's like one of the five best, you know, under 21 players in the world. So sorry, <laughs> you know, sorry this guy hasn't exactly hit those heights for you. Um, I mean, Nico Williams, he's, he's young. I mean, that's the thing. He's young. He's, um, he's, uh, you know, he's still got a lot of work to do, but Mm -hmm. he shows some flashes. He does some decent things. Is he the finished article? Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. But, um, you know, here's one of my things is, you know, you're not, you're not playing for your senior national team as a teenager unless there's something there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the guy, he plays for Wales. He plays for Wales. Right. So, I mean, he can't be all bad. It's just, it's just, there's the problem is his direct comparison is, you know, well, you know, when Trent was his age, Trent was doing such, it's like, yeah, Trent's a special world talent. He might, you know, Nico Williams, I don't think is ever going to be a special world-class talent. But that doesn't mean he can't be a damn good cover at right back. <laughs> you know, when you've got 
arguably the best attacking right back in the world. You know, somebody's got to back him up. Right. So, I mean, Nico Williams is a good young talent. And at the end of the day, I, I defer to this guy named Jurgen Klopp. And if Jurgen Klopp thinks mm-hmm. he's good enough to be out there, well, by God, who am I to argue with Jurgen Klopp? <laughs> I mean, I'm certainly not every other guy on Reddit. Sure. It's very true. As we know, as we know from the message boards, Klopp don't know what he's doing. <laughs> we say that I did in see English one. Accent. It's not usually British. I am saying that. So. <laughs> I did see one. I never clicked on it, but uh, apparently, uh, at some point, there's there's a clip of Klopp uh, tearing into Origi from the sideline. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't actually click on that. I just saw the headline. Well, from what I gather in folks, I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't watch it now. I just told you I didn't realize like almost half time that we were playing the day. <laughs> Terrible Liverpool fan. But from the word I got, Origi was not good today. No. Well, Origi did uh, not as as we like to say, he did not cover himself in glory. <laughs> so. Womp. Well, um, we we look to cover ourselves here in glory on the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 342. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCollin Crime West Bradshaw. Um, and we are going to start right off, get into it. Um, we have to, and, we have to start and the did big you happen news. to say this is episode 340? Yeah! No. Uh, this is, it's more like 340, you. Um, because, unfortunately, we have to start with very sad news today in the world of soccer. Um, Diego Maradona, the the famed hand of God gold uh, in the 1986 World Cup with Argentina, one of, I would probably say at this point, the, one of the five best soccer players to have ever played the game, um, has, uh, has unfortunately passed away today at the age of 60. Um, according to The Athletic and other reports, um, he had successful surgery on a brain blood clot earlier this month and was being treated for alcohol dependency. Uh, but he, uh, suffered a fatal heart attack at his home on Wednesday. Um, so very unfortunate, um, for the soccer world, uh, to lose one, one of the greats, you know, one of, one of the all time, I guess mm-hmm. we say it in, in their passing, one of the all time characters. Um, certainly Ooh. I believe, um, I actually want to pull up the quote real quick because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but uh, Arsene Wenger had a great quote about um, something we something know, to Arsene, do. Arsene Wenger is always good for a quote. Yeah, something about, uh, okay, uh, we'd all love to be like him, even though we'd have to forget every stupid thing he did in his life because he is the way he is. He is mm-hmm. a whole, he is genuine. Um and yeah, that that sums it up so well. Uh, the Diego Maradona experience. Um, so it it is a shame that we have lost someone still fairly young at the age of sixty. Mm-hmm. But mention, of course, the alcohol and and the other drug related uh, things he did in his youth uh, look to have caught up to him. So unfortunately, um, youth. his youth, which means like six weeks ago. But yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, so unfortunately, uh, yes, Diego Maradona is dead at the age of sixty. And Wes, um, I put him up there in the top five in his time. He was probably easily top three. I think Ronaldo and Messi have kind of come into discussion and and joined that that pantheon of greats. But uh, in in his day, 
Maradona was was up there with anybody that's ever played. Well, the uh, just a few things for me to throw in here on this. Um, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a really big Maradona fan, even though his greatest moment was demolishing the yes. country of my love. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The lasting kind of rivalry over the last thirty plus years is. You know, are you a Maradona guy or are you a Pele guy? Mm-hmm. Um, arguably, those two, it goes back and forth a lot. Greatest player ever, Pele or Maradona. Um, I was I was always more Camp Maradona. You, you know me. I, we've talked about this so many times. You know, when it comes to wrestling, I love my heels. I love my characters. Yeah. I, love my, I, I love my guys that have that little edge to them. And my God, Maradona was like the ultimate wrestling heel. <laughs> Absolutely, um, because he was—I mean, let's let's be real here. Madonna, Maradona was—he was a completely flawed hero. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, he was an anti-hero. You know, this is a guy who—you know—the act he's most infamously known for is cheating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thanks a lot, Var. Where are you when we could actually use you, asses? Um, <laughs> of course, you know if it was um, if Maradona was playing against Liverpool and it was in England, that goal would have stood. But anyway, you know that works. Um, Maradona, completely flawed individual, but uh, you know I, I've, I've been kind of talking to my mom of all people tonight because she's like, "Oh, I heard the soccer die. Tell me about him." I'm like, "It's freaking Maradona." So she's watched the hand of God, and then she's watched four minutes later, maybe the best goal in World Cup history, uh, where he slalomed through the entire England team and uh, beat Peter Shilton um, that that day in Mexico City. But, you know, where Pele, I I see Pele as this very refined, um, worldly, smooth, you know, Pele can talk to anybody, you know, Pele's very uh, media savvy, all these things. Or Pele's kind of like your um your your this is this is what you want your superstar to be. This is your ideal. Mm-hmm. Maradona's like your out in left field cult hero. Once again, he you know, Maradona's kind of like the stone cold Steve Austin of this whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you know, and, and and I mean there's actually kind of an app comparison if we want to do the wrestling, you know. Um at that point of WWF, Vince McMahon had Dwayne Johnson, he had the rock. This is who I want. This is who is the perfect kind of champion. He's good looking. He's refined. He's, you know, he's everything you want in a champion. And then there's Steve Austin over here who's a beer swilling, you know, cursing, <laughs> beats the shit out of everybody, doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks. That's kind of Maradona. <laughs> and because of that, Maradona connected so much with the soul of the common man. Um, You know, tonight there are, you know, there is wailing, there is uh, mourning in the barrios of Buenos Aires. Uh, There is mourning in the, um, in, in the row houses of Naples. Maradona touched people at such a, such a deep, granular level mm-hmm. where he just he meant so 
so much to people. Mm-hmm. And we know we know he was a drug addict. We know he was an alcoholic. We know, I mean, we've laughed about Maradona, just some of the insane shit that he says and does. You know, Maradona's greatest and worst moments have happened on that World Cup stage. Once again, 1986, where he led a he led Argentina team that was not the best team at that tournament by a long shot. He basically said, get on my back and I'm going to drag you there. And he carried them to a World Cup. Um, that quarterfinal against England that everyone knows about. Um, four years later at Italia 90, he's basically walking on on one leg once again trying to drag Argentina to another World Cup and he's just he's not able to do it this time due to the injury and then four years later his greatest shame basically testing positive and being sent home from USA 94 mm-hmm. we and I don't mean we as in you and I because A I mean I was four years old <laughs> in, in <laughs> 1986 and I wouldn't really watch it. I, I was aware of who Maradona was in 94, but I didn't know. I didn't know shit mm-hmm. about him. But in general, the footballing public, the world lived the highs and the lows with Maradona. And I think when you do that, as long as you don't turn into a complete asshole, people empathize with you. Mm-hmm. They share in your great victories. They they're there with you, kind of in the trenches of your greatest defeats. And I think that's where Maradona touched people on that level. Um, you know, once again, I mean, Pele. You know, when it comes, especially to the numbers and the goal scoring and the you know being the commercial success of the world, Pele was the man. Mm-hmm. But I think you know. Was it, it was not this past summer. It was summer of 2019. I think I sent you a random picture one day. I was in Raleigh, and it just so happened to be like the Latina Street Festival. Something was going on in Raleigh that day. Mm-hmm. And I went walking down it because, hey, you know, it's cool. I'm here. Let's check it out. I come to a table that was like an Argentinian table. And they had these tapestries, these woven tapestries. And there were there were there was a picture on it of two men. One was the Pope, who's Argentinian, and the other was Maradona. (laughs) And I mean, it's like the Pope, the guy Mm -hmm. who leads the biggest religion in the world, is the the spiritual leader of the world, and Maradona, and they they are held in the same level of esteem in Argentina, and I think if you really want to get down to it, Maradona's probably better loved than the Pope. Yeah, a little bit. And I mean, that's just, it's incredible. And I don't know if we'll ever see another phenomenon who, who just, I, I don't think it can happen anymore because of social media, because of, you know, here's something that's going to suck going forward. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're really going to have legends going forward because the great thing about legends are, you know, well, let me tell you about this. Well, let me tell you about this. And Hey, they say this happened and this might've happened. It can't be confirmed. It can't be denied that this happened. Well, nowadays everybody knows what everybody does. And we usually know Mm -hmm. within half an hour of it happening. You know, there's no, there's no air of, well, did this happen? 
Because trust me, if something happens at practice, somebody's videoing it and it's on YouTube or it's on Twitter, you know, within two hours of everything happening. There's no real air of mystery around our great superstar athletes anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and on top of it, social media gives us that platform to just demolish anybody in real time. With Maradona, with those athletes of the old days, you know, things didn't always get out. Everything they did wasn't front page news or a click away. Um, you know, if you wanted to talk about it, you had to get together with somebody and talk about it and argue about it. You couldn't be talking to everyone around the world in, in 10 seconds about it. And mm -hmm. I just, I don't think we're ever going to get to where someone like that completely polarizes the world again because it's almost, it's too easy to punch holes in everything nowadays. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Ronaldo, you mentioned Messi, and don't get me wrong, those two belong, I think, in the breadth of that conversation with Pele, mm -hmm. with Maradona. Um, you know, if you want to go way back, you can maybe throw a Puskas in there. Handful of a very small handful of players who belong in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, for me though, man, I'm I'm a Maradona guy. I think Maradona's the greatest who's ever done it. Um, other guys might have better stats, but you know, I'll throw this in there too. Um, you know, uh, uh Pele played for the best club in uh Brazil at that time, Santos. Um, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Ronaldo's played for Real Madrid. He's played for Manchester United. He's played for the absolute blue bloods of the world. Messi has been at Barcelona. Maradona won two Scudetto at Napoli. It had Pretty never good. been done before. And that was the, that was the, um, and that was the Serie A of AC Milan and Inter and Juventus and those juggernauts. And little Napoli, who was always seen as, you know, the dirty little brother in Naples. You know, they, everybody, Italy looks down upon Naples. <laughs> it's just how it is. <laughs> and, you know, Maradona goes to Barcelona and basically is like, peace out. I'm, I'm out of here. I, he was not happy at Barcelona. He left. He goes to Napoli and basically turns them into a powerhouse. And I think, to me, that kind of sets him apart because he took the road a little less traveled. Mm -hmm. And it still, he still came out a legend and just, I mean, it's a sad day. I mean, you know, I don't think it's one, uh, let's put it this way. My jaw wasn't on the floor when I saw Maradona died, but it's still one of those damn Maradona's gone. Yeah. Absolute damn shame. <sighs> well, um, 20, 2020, Sometimes tries to actually be like trying to pull it back. And then something like this happens, unfortunately. So we will, we will continue on though. And, um, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Some, some, something like this happens. Just leave this world behind. Anyway, by the way, we're presented by NGSC sports in case anybody cared. Um, uh, NGSC sports. We never stop. Um, let's get to actual football talk uh, and recap the week that was in the Premier League. Um, Chelsea uh, look to be finding their stride as they are 2-0 winners 
over Newcastle. Uh, Frederico Fernandez and Tammy Abraham getting the goals in that one. Um, suddenly, mortal Aston Villa loses at home to Brighton and Hove. Uh, 2-1. Uh, Danny Welbs and Sully Marsh uh, both connecting on the score sheet for Brighton in this one. Uh, Man United getting a goal from Bruno Fernandez. Sure, kind of, because things happened. Uh, and they beat West Brom 1-0. Uh, Everton nearly, nearly gave it away <laughs> against Fulham, but they do end up winning 3-2 uh, there. Um, West Ham beats Sheffield 1-0 thanks to Sebastian Haller. And then uh, Arsenal and Leeds, the match we told everybody was going to be super exciting because Arsenal can't play defense and Leeds is just great and runs up and down. Nil-nil. Because because that's how things work. Um, Burnley gets their first one of the season over Palace. Uh, 1-0 thanks to an eighth-minute goal from Chris Wood. And Southampton and Wolves in one of the big matches of the week uh, draw 1-1. Theo Walcott's goal being crossed out by Pedro Neto in the 75th minute. That was real Neto. fucking Neto. <laughs> As they, they show the spoils at 1-1. Um, now, now, big match uh, number two of, of three for the weekend. Um, Tottenham Hotspur 2, Manchester City 0. Hyungman oh, oh, oh. uh, Son with a delicious goal in the fifth minute. Um Tottenham almost adding a second just about seven minutes later, but Harry Kane was just a judge to be offside, and he was. It was those was goal. Um, a a late goal from uh, or sorry, a late first half goal from Phil Foden was ruled out by VAR because what's Man City and Tottenham without without a goal being ruled out by VAR for against City. Uh, and then Giovanni Lo Celso, literally about 30 seconds after coming on, kills off the match in the 65th minute. Um, Wes, this this brings to mind uh, a match from what I believe was this year. It could have been 10 years ago. I don't know anymore. Um, but it was a similar scoreline. It was at Wembley, or not Wembley, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham 2, Manchester City 0. Uh, I believe it was back in February. Um, Josie had been in charge for a couple months. Tottenham played very, very defensively, very pragmatic, almost negative to a point. City had like 37 shots on goal and Tottenham had three and the scoreline was 2-0. And everybody's like, well, that was just, you know, fluky and Man City just couldn't be after him, blah, 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 blah. This same scoreline, same kind of setup. From Tottenham, still playing that that pragmatic Josie football, but somehow this match looked a lot better. It felt a lot better. Um, and and while it may be back in February, you're like Tottenham never deserved to win that match. I still come out of this one thinking, no, Tottenham deserved to win this match. And and my only hesitation is, and and this is my other question because I, I think Tottenham are starting to show that yes, they're really good. Again, they have an absolutely hellacious schedule coming up here in the next couple weeks. Um, but I think Tottenham are actually getting to round into form and be a, a legitimate top four team, maybe even more. But I think the other question we have to ask is, is Manchester city just kind of ordinary now? <clears throat> well, just start off with Tottenham. Jesus. That's a Josie Mourinho team there. Isn't it? That is <laughs> Who it is. 
Well, here's the big difference in, uh, from February to this weekend. That's a hell of a lot better team that Jose Mourinho put on the field. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you look at that setup. Um, Hoy- Hoyberg? Mm-hmm. Hoyberg has been such a massive signing for them that I don't think any, no one pays attention. None of the mm-hmm. general media pays any attention to him because he's just a defensive midfielder. Hoyberg mm-hmm. coming in. But Hoyberg and Seaside? Not Seaside. Sissoko. Uh, yeah. Together in that midfield. And holy shit, remember when Josie was going to run the Don Boy up the town on a train and, you know, <laughs> oh, he's blowing, yeah. he screwed this up. All they had to do was get on the same page, mm-hmm. figure out exactly where they needed to play, and holy shit, that dude's been on the issue. Just figure mm-hmm. it out. And then you go, you go on yep. that front line. I mean, here's the thing. Though, Gary Bale hasn't made much of a difference yet. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of got like Gary Bale sitting back in his arm right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like the rocket booster right that you guys said. Um, you know, I, Kane, Harry Kane's done so many different things now that he's just being a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Kane is reminding me more and more of, you know, kind of a later career already, mm-hmm. where he's dropping deeper and suddenly he's doing so many more things, but he's doing it while he's still like a top level striker. Marie started yeah. out his... It was a different set of Marie, but Marie started doing it when, um, you know, he wasn't quite what he was up front anymore. So out there, mm-hmm. he started using his smarts and his intelligence. Well, now Harry Kane's doing that. And Harry Kane is still going to be you know, a world-class streamer at the same time. Yeah. Uh, as far as... Regulon? but That's fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm not looking at any notes. I'm just saying... Name on <laughs> that's fine. Uh, Regulon has... Just been a magnificent time for them. Um, you know, as we realize, he's a fucking right. Who brought the rocket? Yay. <laughs> Who brought the rocket? Well, it's regular. Long. God, he's been so good on the outside. He's he's covered up a big hole. Um, for Spurs, if they can hold, to me, if they can hold it together defensively. Hmm. I'm not completely convinced that they can. Um, and Eric Dyer told me Alvarell center back pairing makes me a little nervous in the long term. But I mean, I think we are here to say in this in this battle at the top of the table this year. Um, they figured out they've got they're getting that nasty little Mourinho streak. Mm-hmm. Which which means that in two months everybody's gonna fucking hate you if they don't already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean you're gonna be like the most hated team in the league. <laughs> but I mean it's it's year two of Mourinho, you know. Mm-hmm. We're talking about earlier with the whole Maradona thing about social media and everybody immediately throwing their two cents out there. People have to remember, you, you know, sometimes you gotta sit back and let. Smart people do their thing. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. things are just going to pick up immediately. You know, you remember, you remember Jurgen Klopp came in at Liverpool, and it didn't immediately lead to major results. 
else, but by God, he got a chance to install things. He got a chance to build his team. And wow, crazy, great shit's happened. I think right now, Josie's doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Mourinho, who's been written off so terribly. I mean, don't get us wrong. I mean, we well, we love Paolo Mourinho. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's fun. But I mean, really, you know, you look at you look at the career of Jose Mourinho. Everywhere he's gone, he's won, except Man mm-hmm. United, which was just a complete. As we now see, was it really? It wasn't all Josie's fault at United. He didn't help the situation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Man United's a freaking dumpster fire and, of an organization. And he's still won your. He still yeah. won Europa with them. And he still won a couple of trophies. And he won the FA Cup, I think. So, I mean, he still yeah, won some yeah. trophies. And he finished second with that team. Yeah. And, and made the comment, and people rolled their eyes, you know, this might be my best coaching job is finishing second with this team. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, he's full of shit. Now it's like, you know what? Well. <laughs> is he really wrong about that? <laughs> yeah, Jose Mourinho knows how to go and win. Mm-hmm. Is it always attractive? No. No. Is he gracious and humble in victory and in defeat? <laughs> Hell to the no. <laughs> but the man knows how to win. The man knows how to put together good teams. And if you just get out of his way and let him do what he wants and get him some damn players and he asks for. Yeah. I mean, he can he can he can make things work. Now, can he do it long term? That is yet to be seen. <laughs> Very true. Very and it's true. one of those things, you know, you you might be, you might be mortgaging a little bit of the future for the present. Mm-hmm. Hell, man, football's about glory. When you've got a chance, go and take it. Go and take it. Yes, it's nice to build the foundation for five years of playing great, but damn it, just go take it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm super impressed with Spurs right now. As far as City, hmm. man, where do you start? I mean, this is City coming off. Oh, we just extended Pep for two more years. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> I'll, I'll believe that when I see that happen. Um, <laughs> I think part of that, I think part of that is um, trying to entice Messi. I think that, yeah. I think that is all Messi Absolutely. I don't really know how bad Pep wants to be there another two years. <laughs> um, I think he might be doing the solid to try to get Messi in for at least a year. Mm-hmm. I think it'd, I think it'd be worth it for him to be able to get a year of Messi and um, Pep together. Mm-hmm. Uh, this city team, they just they look a little shell shocked. Yeah, and you know we've heard it before. Guardiola pushes teams so hard. I mean, that's part of his greatness, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Is he pushes teams and man so much out of his teams that they they eventually they burn out. And he burns out with them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he is on the long end of anywhere. I think this is the longest he's stayed in one place now. And it's... It, it, it kind of looks like the window for this group is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And what you're what you're gonna see now with Pep 
another give him another two years. Yeah, I can't see him staying two years. Um, Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger are maybe the two managers really of the last twenty years who built a power and then tore it down and built another one. Mm-hmm. And Wenger never really hit those heights again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of that had to do with opening the Emirates and, you know, building the stadium. We understand that now looking back with Arsenal. But really, you know, Alex, so Alex Ferguson in the early 90s built the first United powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And then he realized it was time to tear him apart and build another one. That does not happen at all today because uh, managers aren't staying anywhere in 20, 25 years anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Guardiola has a teardown building. Yeah, just like your team doesn't have it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, you know, I just I think this team—they're still good on their day. They're going to tear people apart. I just don't think they're built. I don't think they can physically, mentally handle it day in day out anymore. You know where you know where they might be ready and poised to do something is the Champions League. Maybe, yeah. Um, but I just, I, I, I see absolutely no way God's green earth that City wins the league this year. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't think, I don't think they can dig deep enough to come up with what Pet needs week in week out. Mm-hmm. Um, Aguero's injured off and on. You know, it's, it's just. Uh, don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's still some great players in their prime on the City. Team, you know, Sterling, Droin, um, mm-hmm. uh, Bernard Silva, um, you know, you've you got guys in that run. But at the same time, there are too many deficiencies in this team to just overlook it. And I think too many, t- too many teams have caught up with them in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think this is, this is not a city two years ago by any means. Um, yeah, and uh, like I said, that whole contract extension. I'm very interested to see how this whole thing works out because I, I can. There's nothing in me that he's put there in the two seasons. Yeah, I mean, extensions really mean nothing. If Pep wants to leave, he'll leave. Right. It, it, that that doesn't matter. Yeah, apparently, so. there's there's talk in this contract that um he basically holds an option, which is gonna be really okay. interesting, right? He holds. Option to when he's ready to step out of the seat that he can go take over in the And there, that would be interesting. And and here's the thing: there's been discussion that a Messi contract would basically oh, yeah. be a five-year outlay, and would mm-hmm. be two years at City and then three years in Messi or yeah. New York. I do remember hearing that. Yes. So you know we might get Pep and Messi in Manchester for a season or so, and then we might get it again in New York, which would be that'd be pretty pretty cool. I just see it in the list, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think Pep's kind of taking one for the team here, if you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a, that would be a crazy story if it came to fruition, but um. Yeah, cer- certainly Man City, not not quite the team they were when they were Centurions a few years ago. Um, a lot of defensive deficiencies, as you mentioned, and um, 
haven't really found a way to address a lot of those just yet. Um, and finally, our our last match we'll talk about uh, the one that was supposed to be the the title decider. This is the one, Lester. You know, we we I mentioned this last week. Um, it was going to be, hey, yeah, you know, Lester. They um, did we do a we didn't do a pod together last week, did we? Yes, we did last week. Oh, we did last week. Okay, so I I do remember we talked about then um, that hey, you know, last year. Leicester started really well. Uh, then they went up in December against Liverpool and City in back-to-back matches and got their asses handed to them. And that was pretty much the end of that. And this, you were like, all right, here's your chance, Leicester City. You start off great. You're now at the top of the table. What you going to do? And apparently what you're going to do is come out super fucking flat against Liverpool and lose 3-0. Um, it, it was an own goal that started from Johnny Evans, um, along with... Pierre uh, Emil Hoiberg, the the two best signings of the offseason were Hoiberg and Diego Jota. Um, he gets on the score sheet again for Liverpool in the 41st minute. And the person he was kind of supposed to replace, Bobby Firmino, scoring just before uh, full time to make a tidy little 3-0 win. Uh, Leicester looked okay for parts of it, but also looked like they were just sleepwalking through other parts. And Liverpool just asserted control wherever they could. So, Wes, I, I, I have to wonder, was was this another false dawn for Leicester in terms of them, like, really competing up there with the big boys again, as they did in their, their shock season of about five years ago now? Ed, you keep referring to them as Leicester. I mean, this is just Broch. <laughs> Excuse me. The fighting Broches. This is this is Brendan Rogers Leicester City. You know, yes. if we've got to mention Leicester, we'll just call him Brendan Rogers Leicester City, uh, because <laughs> we know it's all about the brunch. It's all um, about the brunch. I will use my uh, tried and true tongue talking about Liverpool from time to time. Could have easily scored six in this match. <laughs> <I> mean, <clears throat> you want to talk about just handling Leicester? Yeah. I mean, they just got hammered by Liverpool. Um, Firmino should have scored earlier a ball that was literally like maybe two centimeters on goal line technology from being a goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was after he'd already hit the post on a header. That should have been a goal. Uh, Jota had another one that should have been a goal. So, I mean, this is – this was legit. After about the first 10, 15 minutes where Leicester came out looking pretty damn good, like they were going to – have a go at it. I mean, Liverpool just pulled Leicester apart, just demolished them. And not only that, I mean, they did it with. Uh, let's run down. Let's run down the list of injuries that missed this Sunday match. <clears throat> um, Virgil Van Dyke, Joe Gomez, um, Jordan Henderson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mohamed Salah, uh, and Thiago Alcantara. I mean, that is six players that when Liverpool are putting their best team on the field, when Liverpool are putting their best 11 on the field, those six are in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, without a doubt, those six are in it. And you're playing one of the hottest teams in the league, top of the table. And once again, Liverpool just decimate them. Uh, Fabinho and Mata were strong at the back. James freaking Milner. My God, the ultimate Swiss Army knife of the Premier League. Um, it might be a little dull Swiss Army knife. <laughs> um, 
James Miller just it's like he said, you know, I know I'm I know I stay at Liverpool knowing I'm not gonna start every game, but when you need me, just put me where you need me. And all he does is excel, playing uh filling in at right back for um for Trent. Um played I believe on the Jota goal, split the defense with a fantastic pass down the middle that got that move going. Uh, Milner was Milner was just magnificent. Uh, Robbo had an assist on the outside. Um, Nabi Kato was playing a fantastic game until his obligatory hamstring injury. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how, how does Nabi Kato always end his best matches? That's right, leaving early with an injury. So, <laughs> um, you know, nice to have him back for a match. We'll see him in March, hopefully. Uh, and Liverpool just, they keep marching on. Curtis Jones playing this match. Curtis Jones is 19, and every time it seems like they drop him in, he just, he he, he looks like he belongs with the English champions. And, you know, he's he looks like he's going to be the next one coming out of the academy to really take his chance and establish himself in the first team. Um, Jeannie Van Aldum does whatever you ask Jeannie Van Aldum. Him and Milner are similar in a way. It's like, you know, just what do you need me to do today? Yuri, what do you need me to do today? I need you to do this. Okay, I'll go do it. And I'll do it fantastically. Um, Mane was not at his best on the day, but he still scares the shit out of people. Jota becomes the first Liverpool player to score in his first four home matches. And the Reds just keep keep rolling. The Reds just keep rolling. Um, it is it is setting up, I believe December 16th is setting up to be a big, big day for this podcast. Oh, boy. We will see. Because uh, the, the upcoming match schedule, if I can... Why would I be able to pull that up quickly? NBC Sports. Why would, why would I possibly <laughs> want to do that? Um, the the upcoming... The upcoming lineup for Tottenham uh, is at Chelsea. I guess at doesn't really matter. Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace, Liverpool, Leicester, Wolves. That takes us up to uh, Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, and that doesn't also include like Europa and Cup matches. Yeah. And Liverpool like have a much more manageable, just fixture wise. I mean, still a lot on, but a more manageable month coming up in Spurs. Yeah, Liverpool have Brighton, Wolves, Fulham, and then Tottenham, and then Palace and West Brom on Boxing Day. So, and then uh, Newcastle. Yeah. This is actually crazy. Uh, Liverpool and Spurs play on December 16th and then turn right around on January 27th and play again. Right. Yeah, we, we've got bat to bat. we got a fun bat to bat there between uh, United and Tottenham. So. Yeah. But they're also, like, way apart in a weird way. Yeah, like I so it's weird. It looks like there's actually maybe like an international break that after United, and yeah. then you play. We play Tottenham on a Wednesday. Yeah, so I think we play both of them on Wednesdays for whatever reason because the 16th oh, is yeah. on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then we start, yeah. So two middle of the week, and uh, ooh, lucky for us, Wes is off on both of them. Who knows, Ed? Maybe <laughs> uh, maybe COVID will be eradicated. Biden will be in the White House by the second one. COVID will be over. And maybe, oh, <laughs> maybe we could get to I, the pub. I wish that was actually uh, true. I'm holding. I'm holding. Uh, I'm holding on to hope for this. You know, 
A boy can dream. I'm, 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 can holding, dream. I'm holding on to Joe, taking the open office, and the next day being like, hey, guys, good news. We got COVID obliterated. Go back and do what you want to do now. Boys, we got him. All right. Um, <laughs> looking on to next week's match schedule. Um, uh, starting this Friday, after after you stuffed your face with turkey on Thursday, stuff your face with Eagles on Friday as Newcastle heads to Crystal Palace. Uh, Saturday, that's 3 p.m. Saturday at 7.30 a.m., it's Liverpool versus Brighton. 10 a.m., it's Burnley versus Man City. Uh, 12.30, it's Leeds versus Everton. And at 3 p.m., it's Sheffield versus West Brom. Sunday at 9, it's uh, United versus Southampton. 11.30, another big match for Tottenham as they head to Chelsea. And at 2.15, big match for both these clubs, Wolves and Arsenal, as Arsenal is just trying to get back into the top half of the table right now. And then on Monday, uh, the 30th, uh, 12.30, it's Fulham versus Leicester. And then at 3 p.m., Aston Villa versus West Ham. So a couple good matches this upcoming weekend for you there. Uh, as we take a quick look at the table, uh, Tottenham do currently sit in the top spot on goal differential. They are level on points with Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea currently sit in third on points uh, or on goal differential against Leicester, who are in fourth. Southampton are in fifth. Everton are in sixth. And Villa are in seventh. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Burnley, with their first win of the season, jump out into 17th place. Fulham are now in 18th. West Brom are in 19th. And Sheffield are in dead last with one point. The boys, the blades, they need to pick it up. Um, all right, to the Champions League now. Um, <laughs> I think with it, we would call today uh, Sunday or Wednesday, Bloody Wednesday, with the amount of red cards that seem to be handed out today. Um, not, not too many of them we'll go over, but um, recap of some of the matches. Uh, Bairn just keeps baroning on in the Champions League. They beat Salzburg 3-1. Um, but more interestingly, Atletico Madrid, thanks to a VAR uh, uh, offsides correction, do not get a win over Mos- Lokomotiv Moscow. They only draw them nil-nil, which means Bayern is at 12 points. They've almost completely won the group. Not mathematically yet, but it's almost a certainty now. Madrid, uh, or sorry, Atletico stay at five points. Lokomotiv Moscow are at three, and Salzburg are at one. I, I've been saying it this entire group, Wes, and I, I just keep thinking, like, I, there, there's no way Atletico actually drops out of the Champions League, right? But, like, things like this happen, and I'm just, like, I just start to think, well, I mean, next week, uh, uh, Moscow plays Salzburg, who are in last. If Moscow gets a win there, Madrid pl- or Atletico is playing Bayern. If if Mo- Moscow wins and Atletico loses, Moscow is in second place. So I, I there's still two matches to play, and 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 stuff like that. But I I don't know if I'm Atletico. I really am not feeling comfortable right now. And it's crazy because they're playing so well in Serie A right now. Mm-hmm. Syria, uh, La Liga, excuse La Liga. me. La Liga. Um, yeah, they were in Syria. I'm like, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, right now, Atletico are arguably the best team in um, La Liga. Uh, they sit second on 20 points, but have two matches in hand and are three points behind Real Sociedad. Um, they've been good. And it just seems like, how the hell can this happen? 
Yeah, I almost think Munich going ahead and going through might be a help for Atletico. Um, I'll, I'll still be shocked if Atletico don't get through at this point. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a lot closer than they're comfortable with. I can tell you mm-hmm. that they they have they are not happy with how it's sitting right now. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I, I I believe I believe in group stage tiebreakers away goals are a thing. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, so if it did come down to somehow a tiebreaker between Atletico and Lokomotiv, um. Atletico, I believe, would win that tiebreaker, so they do have that going for them since they drew both matches. Uh, but Atletico drew one-one in Russia, so we'll we'll see. Still, again, a long ways to go. But if Atletico drop to Bayern and Moscow beats Salzburg, that sets up a very very interesting final match day of the season uh, for this group stage. Um, another German team on top of Group B. Don't don't think anybody really saw that coming though at the start of this. Uh, although Wes Wes again said, I, I will keep bringing this up every time. Wes called it Borussia Mönchengladbach the toughest pot four team in this group stage, and they are proving it uh, still here. Uh, they beat up on Shakhtar four nil to go top of the group at eight points. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wes, uh, one of the red cards uh, coming from. Uh, Arturo Vidal in the Inter Real Madrid match that Real uh, wins 2 0 uh, and just kind of exemplifying Inter's Champions League season. Um, Vidal did not get a call to go his way when he when he felt he was fouled. Argued with the 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 official, got a yellow card, kept arguing, and got a red. So. I, I think that just perfectly sums up Inter's Champions League campaign so far. So with Real Madrid's 2-0 win there, they go to second place with seven points. Uh, again, Munch and Gladbach have eight. Um, and you, you have to think Inter's, maybe their their hardest matches are behind them now. They've played Real twice. But they have Munch and Gladbach in the next round and in the next next week. And if they don't win that one, they're currently sitting at just two points. There is a real chance all of a sudden, Wes, that Inter might not just drop out of the Champions League. They might drop out of Europe completely, which would be in in what was a fairly stacked group, still a pretty big shock for that to happen. Inter just... It seemed like last year Conte had them on the right track. Right now, they're a train wreck, man. They just... You know... It's almost like Conte's whole idea was just, oh, just keep buying me. You know, maybe if I buy all the players in Europe, the other teams won't have enough to field squads. <laughs> I mean, they're sitting fifth in Syria. Um, they're fourth in this group. And the thing is, not only are they fourth, but they just look like absolute crap. Yeah. I mean, Madrid are not pulling up trees. Real Madrid are not pulling up trees. Mm-hmm. And Go and get funk basically 2-0 by them in a match that wasn't even that close. Mm-hmm. Inter might sneak their way in Europe. I see no way that Inter's getting out of this group <laughs> and mm. going to the next round, which for the money and the headaches that their ownership has put up for Antonio Conte, 
Yeah. I think, yeah. I, uh, I think Mr. Conte is going to be on his way out of Milan. Yeah, absolutely. I think if they don't, if they don't qualify for even Europa uh, knockout they're they're done. He's done. He's done there. He has to be. Um, they do have two matches left again. One again next week against uh, Mönchengladbach and then the last one against Shakhtar. And that could be the decider because although Shakhtar did beat Madrid in the very first group round of the group stage, mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't expect that to be a repeat. No. So again, and if Inter don't beat Mönchengladbach, they will still be behind Shakhtar, but a win against them in the final week would get them through to at least Europa. So there, there is still hope for Conte's men, but they uh, they need to start getting points on the board. And for them also, Europa's not good enough. So, I mean, no. that's, you know, last year it wasn't good enough. This year when they put the money in and built, it went mm-hmm. good enough. Absolutely. Um, Group C, uh, we referenced Manchester City's Champions League hopes earlier. Uh, looking pretty good now. They have uh, qualified for for the next round. Uh, they're going through. Uh, Porto m- looks to be joining them. They're almost mathematically in. Uh, literally one point um, will get them. Will get them through. Or Olympiacos just not winning out uh, would also get them through. Uh, but Porto beats uh, Marseille 2-0. And Man City, with a 1-0 win over Olympiacos, Phil Foden with the goal there. Um, so yeah, Man City, three points up on Porto. Uh, they will be meeting next week. And if City can get at least a draw there, um, that that will be it for the group stage for them. They'll they'll win the group yet again. Um, and, and what West was supposed to be a fairly easy group for, for City, has mostly been that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was a straightforward group. They've mm-hmm. always done well under Pep, especially in the group stages. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said it earlier talking about City. I think the City team might be more built for Europe this year than they're built for making a run at the title in England. Mm-hmm. Well, and if the, the, the title isn't there to, to run for... All, you would assume that most of their energy would then get put in the uh, the Champions League. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Group D, as we talked about a little bit in the pre-pod, is, is now under a little more controversy than it would have been uh, maybe you thought of at the start of this week. Um, Ajax gets a nice little 3-1 win over Michelin. Um, with just a, a late goal coming on for the Danes in that one. Um, but in a in a reverse fixture that saw before all the international break shenanigans, Liverpool win 5-0 over Atalanta. Atalanta heads to Anfield and wins 2-0 on the day. Now, again, as we talked about in the, the pre-pod, um, a very rotated Liverpool side. Um uh, with a very big schedule and, of course, a lot of injuries co- happening to them. Um, even with the loss, they are still top of the group. But Ajax and Atalanta are now each just two points behind them. So Liverpool next week will be taking on Ajax. Uh, and thankfully for them, they still do have Michelin, who, of course, have zero points in the group. So that should be three. And you think would be enough to get Liverpool through then at that point, no matter what. but. Certainly what could have been, you know, Ajax at that point could have just been a nice little run the kids out match. And so could Michelin. Um, All of a sudden, 
it it is kind of a, a a should win. I won't call it a must win, but I will call it a should win against Ajax. Well, it's kind of a need to win. Yeah. You know, you go ahead and win it, and then you pretty much know you can run the kids out against Michelin. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, hell, at this point, running the kids out is just the starting lineup. So. <laughs> also true. Once again, um, I think Klopp, now don't get me wrong, I don't think Jurgen Klopp ever goes out planning that, oh, I can just throw this match away or I can do this. But I think with just the way Liverpool's schedule setting up and the way that that first round of matches set up for him by mm-hmm. winning all three, I think Klopp strategically could look at the day and be like, you know what, I can buy some guys some time. Mm-hmm. If we lose this match, we're we're still in a strong position. Mm-hmm. And I need to be ready for Brighton this weekend. So mm-hmm. I think Klopp just kind of rolled the dice. And, I mean, it's not like he put a bad team on the field. Just, mm. you know, weren't, <clears throat> weren't, A, weren't great at the back. Weren't, I uh, didn't have much bite going forward, but... You know, especially after coming off the off the um, international break, having the somewhat the emotional big game against Leicester over the weekend, I think he took the opportunity to get a breather for some guys. And now it's like, okay, big breath. Let's get into this holiday season now. Um, yeah. I, I think you'll see a much – I would assume you'll see a stronger Liverpool squad um, against Ajax. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's just going to try to go and put this thing to bed. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, once again, I'm, as a Liverpool fan, not worried, not thrilled with the way the day went down. Mm-hmm. But once again, that that Klopp fella, he he might have bought a little bit of not second guessing. <laughs> uh, at least from at least yeah. from me, not not the geniuses on Reddit, but from me. So. Uh, um. Yeah. yeah, I still think Liverpool. Liverpool's still in an extremely strong position, and they still completely control their own destiny. Yeah, the good the good news is even if they lose to Ajax, and and mm-hmm. let's say Atalanta do beat Michelin, then um, both Ajax and Atalanta would be on ten mm-hmm. points. Liverpool would be on nine. Mm-hmm. Well, Ajax and Atalanta play each other the uh-huh. last week of the season, so or the last week of the group stage. So the even if they drew, they'd both be on eleven. Liverpool would just need to beat Michelin to win the group at that point because exactly. they'd be on 12. So there, there is still a very real possibility that even with a loss against Ajax, yeah. they, they would not only go through, but they'd win the group. Yeah. Um, but a- again, at that point, it's like, do you really want to have to have the Michelin game be the one that locks you up? Because um, exactly. then it's like, you know, because what happens if it's like, you know, if, if in this scenario... Uh, Liverpool does lose to Ajax, and all of a sudden it's you're you're in Denmark, and it's the 65th minute, and it's nil nil, and you're like, well, draw doesn't really do us that much good. Right. So, uh, so yeah, a little a little more, but but yeah, fully expect them as well to do a a bigger side against uh, Ajax next week, and go ahead and put this thing to bed. Um, Group E has been pretty much put to bed as far as who's going through. Uh, Chelsea and Sevilla with wins on this uh, this week. A um, couple of late winners it, it took, but both both winners nonetheless. 
Uh, Chelsea getting a 91st minute goal from Olivier Giroud, who's definitely, definitely not leaving, you know, this January, not, not happening. Oh, it's definitely happening. Um, as they beat Renier and, uh, Sevilla beats Krasnodar on a 95th minute goal from Munir, um, to, to get the win there, both two, one results. Um, so that puts Chelsea and Sevilla both on 10 points. They drew their first match against each other. Nil nil. They're playing next week in in Spain to see who who potentially wins this group. Uh, Krasnodar and Renier both on one point. They are also fighting to see who can go to Europa. Um, but Wes, you know, Chelsea's started kind of slowly this season, but they seem to be rounding into form, and maybe just maybe they're they're looking as slight favorites, even having to go to Spain to maybe go ahead and win this group. Oh yeah, they're um, Chelsea are actually playing pretty damn well right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They're figuring some things out. They were working in a lot of new guys in this season, and I think just in our week by week society, how things go, you know, we write teams off based on one result. And I think mm-hmm. Chelsea got written off a little bit early. Still a good Chelsea team. And uh, they are, I think they're in a strong position to win this group. Absolutely. So they uh, they have a big chance again next week if they can get that win against Sevilla. They look like they'll be going through. Um, group F, uh, another German team on top. Uh, this time it's Dortmund, who currently set at nine points. Uh, they got a 3-0 win over Club Bruges as uh, everyone's future uh, bidding war starlet Erling Halan gets a brace in this one. Um, and then Lazio with a 3-1 win over Zenit. Uh, Ciro Immobile with a brace there. Uh, Lazio jumps up to second place. Dortmund are just one point back of Dortmund as those two teams will clash next week. Uh, Zenit on just one point. Club Bruges still a good chance to at least get into Europa League if they can uh, if they can get a win against Zenit next week. Uh, but Wes, Dortmund, Dortmund looking to make this a three for three on uh, on German teams winning their group. Yeah, I mean they're just they're all playing well right now, um, especially here in the Champions League. So uh, you know Dortmund, I think Dortmund was kind of the team we figured <laughs> we're going to win this group, but. They've turned it on recently. Erling Holland just named the uh, best young player in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. Dor- Dorman tends to get those kind of players. And, and really, now there's, you know, they've been talking about that a lot recently. Um, God, I think the average age of Dortmund's starting lineup right now is like 22. <laughs> and that's kind of skewed because you've got the likes of, um, uh, you've got a few older guys in there. Um, uh, Matt Hummels, mm-hmm. who's like in his 30s. And then Marco <laughs> Royce, who's like near 30. They they kind of skew that number a little bit. But man, when you look at, I mean, you just look at that group they've got with um, Holland and Jane Sancho and Gio Reyna and Jude Bellingham. And then they just brought up Ma. Oh, what is his name? They literally just brought up like a 16-year-old who's supposed to be the best out of them all. Uh, Mafuka, Mamuka, Mamufa. 
Wait, I'm I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you here. I'm gonna get you a second. Um, or I mean, maybe I'm not. Yeah, literally, I brought him up like in the last week. This is a guy who like in uh, Fuakala. What was it? Nathan Fuakala? That's it. Hold on. Hmm. Dortmund, sixteen-year-old. Um. Yeah. Uh. Mukaku. Mukoko. Oh, okay. Yusufa Mukoko. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, literally, literally just turned sixteen like a week ago, and they've already got him going. Um. Number wise, absolutely insane. Saying he has played 88 youth matches for Dortmund since 2017 and has scored 141 goals. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, um, and I mean he's he's like the next big thing coming out of there. So that's, that um, Dortmund are turning into an absolute uh, talent producing machine, mm-hmm. and guys know. You can go there and you're going to get chances. Mm-hmm. And that they're Absolutely. looking to develop those young players. Um, early on, I think it surprised some people when he went there. It's like, oh, he could have gone to Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would have worked out well for him, right? Um, yeah. But it's it, they are turning into Europe's best finishing factory right now. Mm-hmm. And just such an exciting group. And you hope for a group with that much excitement and that that much talent god it'd be fun to see them really challenge um you know a, a challenge in the champions league where the world can watch them and be really challenging uh the bundesliga as well yeah the bundesliga is crying out for a second team to challenge Bayern, and and it's tried to be dortmund for a while but we'd love to see them really give it to them the entire season so we'll see if maybe this is the year that that happens um, Group G also pretty looking locked up. Uh, Barcelona and Juventus are just well ahead of Kiev and Ferran Severos. Um, Juventus to, to come come from behind win, but but nonetheless a win. Uh, they do beat Ferran Severos two one thanks to a late goal from Alvaro Morata. Uh, and Barcelona have just a nice little four 0 win over Dynamo Kiev. Um, Barcelona lead the group with twelve points. Juventus have nine. Kiev and Ferenc Varos have one apiece. Um, so Barcelona and Juventus do not actually play until the final match week of the group stage. Um, but Wes, these are two teams, two of the older teams. Obviously, Ju- Juventus struggling a little bit in Serie A. Barcelona struggling a little bit in La Liga. But so far, Champions League right on track for them. Yeah, they're looking fine and dandy, doing what they need to do there. Uh, two teams who are definitely not in their prime this season. Yeah, but I mean they they drew such a good group for the two of them. Oh yeah, you know we're gonna get our Ronaldo Messi match. We're guessing coming up here soon. Um, or wait a minute, I didn't miss that one. Did I? No, no, no. They play that. No, uh, no, no. Yeah, that'll be um that'll be the next round for them. No, no, that'll be the last. Oh, last. One. That'll be the last mm-hmm. match. Okay, on the eighth. But yeah, um, I mean, they really those two lucked into a good group for them because neither one of them are playing anywhere at the level they have been playing for the last decade, and uh, that's definitely papering over some cracks with that group yeah. for, for those two. 
So they, they, then, could, uh, they could both be in for a very rude awakening when they get to the knockout. Just a little bit. Um, and then finally, Group H, um, where we were, we were kind of hoping for a little more chaos, but things are starting to sort of go more towards form a little bit. Um, Manchester United with a big 4-0 win over Istanbul, avenging a 2-1 defeat to them uh, when last they played. Uh, and PSG threw an 11th-minute penalty from Neymar get past Leipzig 1-0. Um, so that puts United at nine points, PSG and Leipzig at six. PSG owns the head-to-head away goal tiebreaker and Istanbul at three points. So still, with two matches to play for each team, a lot to play for. The only thing that's guaranteed is United will finish top three, but everything else is still up in the air. And United heads to PSG next, or sorry, United hosts PSG next week in another huge match. Of course, um, United has already beaten PSG once. If they can beat them again, Wes, that's that gets United through, and then starts to maybe cast a little bit of doubt on PSG. I don't know which chaos. <laughs> Um <clears throat> yeah, you know, United getting their getting their win back against Mystic Shear. They went they went out, they took care of business. I think they got their penalties early on. Um, <laughs> PSG just I, I can't figure PSG out at all this year. They just uh they they look like especially in Europe, they look very hungover from the Champions League final that they lost. Mm-hmm. And it's like it just hasn't clicked again for them here in Europe. Um, give Leipzig credit. I mean, for that team to lose what they've lost mm-hmm. and at least still be in it. They're sitting fourth in uh, the Bundesliga right now, two points out of first place. I think I just I think they're kind of doing all they can right now, but mm-hmm. when it comes to that group, really PSG would be the shocker to not get through. United, yeah, sure, go ahead and put them through. I guess. Still a lot to play for though. With uh, with oh, yeah. light with United and PSG playing next week, that means Leipzig has to go to Istanbul. Mm-hmm. But if they can get a win there, and United. Right can at least get a draw or even another win over PSG. Well, that points that puts Leipzig three points up on PSG with one match left to play. And it would be, um, and, and then Leipzig would have to get United and PSG would get Istanbul. So still a lot to play what would, for. What would really be the fun one to happen is Leipzig to go and win and PSG to beat United and they all three go to the final day. Um, nine points. Ooh, ooh, that sounds like fun, Wes. I, I would like that. And I would like that very Leipzig, much. And basically, Leipzig and United, you would figure we're playing for a sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. That, oh, that would be tasty. Oh, tasty sandwich. I would love that very much. Um, so we'll see if those come to fruition. Um, the Europa League is also going on. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> let's hit the news and notes. Uh, well, we'll talk, we'll talk about it when they get like down to 16 teams. Um quick update on always injured Christian Pulisic. Uh, he still remains still out with, yeah, still remains out with a problematic hamstring issue. More to come. Um, 
a bit of an interesting story, and this is kind of our only other story for the week since we also did our Maradona story to start off the show. Um, of course, because of course it would be Zlatan to bring this up. Uh, as as as, uh, as mentioned by the Athletic, uh, top players planning to object to use of their likenesses in FIFA, um, which is a really interesting thing of Zlatan and people like Gareth Bale uh, coming out and saying like I'm you know I didn't realize I was a FIFA Pro member and I don't understand how they can use my likeness and my stats and all this other stuff and that I'm not making any money off of it. And uh, as someone pointed out in the comments, it's very interesting that Gareth Bale is saying is agreeing with this and saying this when he was like on the cover of one of the FIFAs a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So sh- surely he would probably know at some point. But um, yeah, Wes, I, I know you play the FIFA. Um, so th- this this would be a very interesting thing. I know we've, we we kind of went through this a little bit in America here with college football. And and all the rights that come with that, and as well as college basketball for video games, but uh, this seems like a whole different thing. And I'd be I'd be very surprised if FIFA and uh, EA Sports, and to a lesser extent, uh, Konami and Pro Evolution Soccer, hadn't done their due diligence and made sure to secure the licenses for all these players. Be very shocked. Oh my god. I mean, this shit has already ruined my first favorite franchise, which was the NCAA football franchise. Cannot have it ruin FIFA for me. Yeah. Come on, guys. Just slap. You're my dude. We're mm-hmm. boys. I stick up for you like all the time. I just I scream your name and people stare at me like I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Please, dude, don't don't kill FIFA for me. come on man I mean we sing your praises like nobody else on this show come on man and Gareth Bale just shut up man come on just go play golf or something (laughs) Gareth Bale's probably pissed that he doesn't have that there's instead of Tiger Woods golf it's not Gareth Bale golf Uh, I'd I'd probably buy that actually I I would buy that I'd buy that for a dollar I'd also be happy if the only golf game all the public courses around Madrid are on there yes um so there you go go check that out and that leads us nicely into us pimping out the athletic um i'm gonna do mine really quick because i had like five articles i want to talk about so i'm just gonna list them real quick and let y'all get out there uh the first one from james horncastle uh if erickson wants to leave inter won't stand in his way Uh, an article about what the hell has gone wrong with uh christian erickson and inter and his short time there and um I'm not saying he's coming back to Tottenham, but he's coming back to Tottenham, boys. Um, this was another interesting story. This was a, actually one of the lead stories by Joey D'Urso. Uh, I was scammed by a fake football agent. Um, that's that's a really harrowing story for a youngster. So go go check that one out. Um, this one by Pablo Marer, uh, NYCFC, since we just talked about NYCFC earlier. Uh, NYCFC intern details alleged sexual harassment by David Villa. Um, so go read that. That is a eye-opening read, um, which should be not surprising to anybody who's followed any of this for, for the last couple of years, especially after the uh, the whole thing happened with the Washington football team last year. Not surprising, but still, still worth a read. Um, this was an interesting one. This was another lead story. Roommates 
uh, Clean Freaks, <laughs> All Nighters, Sofa Beds, and The Modern Boring Bastards by Stuart James, uh, which I've always found is like this really weird thing where like former we we get an article like this, and yet former players are like, oh, why don't why don't they take the game all serious? Why why don't players of today take the game more seriously? You see, you see Deli Ali playing his video games. Why why can't they take the game more seriously? And then you read stories like this, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? You you pulled all this shit during like when you were guys roommates. Nah, nah, get that shit out of here. But go, it's still a very interesting read, super interesting read. So please go check that out. And finally, this one by Stuart James. Uh, we fixed the handball law. This is what officials say it should be. Sure, you know, agree or disagree. There's there's always going to be controversy on that, but uh, still worth worth seeing the athletic give them give a shot at, at trying to fix the handball rule. So those are my myriad of articles that I just love from The Athletic this week. Uh, Wes, what you got? I had the roommates one, actually, too. I, I love those <laughs> little inside looks where they go and talk to, talk to guys mm-hmm. and get their stories and everything. I love mm-hmm. the little interesting pieces like that. That was fun. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out the roommates. Uh, what <laughs> Tearing down the goalposts. College Ooh. football's chaotic 100 years tradition by Jason Jenks. Um basically goes into some of it, it's it's one of those more fun articles where it's just giving you like examples of times things happen um and then uh the comment section is really fun in there because people are telling their memories of tearing down goalposts i may have thrown a little 1990s carolina miami at carter finley in there um of course so that that's a really really fun article so uh, go check that one out uh there's your college football article Lost then found Daniel Bard's seven-year detour through baseball's wilderness. Uh, Daniel Bard, a guy that we're super familiar with, uh, a um, All-American at the University of North Carolina. Uh, he's a Charlotte kid. And B, then he turned into, like, the best setup man in baseball, pitching for the Boston Red Sox. Um, God, an eighth and ninth inning of Daniel Bard and Jonathan Papelbon. Yeah, you won't Done. score no runs. It's done. The game's over. I mean, yeah, it was over. It was a seven-inning game against the Red Sox. You better try to beat us in seven because you weren't beating Bard and Papelbon. Uh, uh, Bard, um, who near the end of that dominant role with the Red Sox, got the yips. He was back this year, actually pitched for the Colorado Rockies and pitched really well. Um, You read the story. He got a job with the Diamondbacks, actually – um, helping guys with like mental, how to mentally overcome things. And as he said, apparently along the way, he kind of taught himself what to do. Oh, nice. And when he went to throw with his brother who pitches for the angels, oh yeah, I can still hit 96 effortlessly. <laughs> so <laughs> now Daniel Bard is back in the bigs and is throwing 98, 99, 100, has a dirty, dirty slider. And uh, basically hasn't pitched in the bigs in seven years. And now he's back. He back pitching for uh, <laughs> pitching for the Rockies. So definitely check that out. That was a really fun story. Um, a couple more. I'll stay on the baseball real quick. Almost everyone is using something, getting a grip on how MLB pitchers are cheating by Eno Saris. Um, this one came out earlier in the month. I just got around to it. Basically talking about if you're interested in things like spin rate and uh, things like how to make baseballs move. Basically, pitchers are cheating like shit, but it's just really hard to catch them and call them out on it. Um, mm-hmm. Some really interesting stuff in there. I was I was kind of thinking and hoping I was going to get a little more like history of spitters and things like that. But it really does go into it talks a lot about spin rate and um, 
you know, how guys are getting that little extra advantage, things like that. It's mm-hmm. an interesting one. And the last one Getting is called stars. it's called Hiding a Monkey and Sorting Fergie's Wine, Life as a Football Press Officer. Oh. Um, and basically it's another one of those uh, pull back the curtain kind of stories where, um, you know, they're anonymously talking about things. Basically press officers are anonymously talking about things that they've dealt with. And one of them, you can obviously tell they're talking about Josie Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> and then the main picture is uh, Josie Mourinho walking with his press officer behind him. So. Uh, uh, and bringing his pet monkey. Against <laughs> British laws and bringing his pet monkey. So. Uh, and then once amazing. again, amazing. Once again, the uh, the comments are phone calls. <laughs> yeah, of course. Good That's time. Amazing. So a lot of good stuff on the athletic man. A lot of it. Lot of Um, so let's now head over to the uh the watch for Wes. What you watching in the week that was of the week that will be? Uh this past week. <clears throat> watch. Oh well um me and me and uh Milady. Milady, as I tip my fedora to her. Um, we watched all of uh, last season of American Horror Story. Okay. Went, went back and watched that, the uh, 1984, the slasher one. So she had not seen that one, so we went back and watched it. Uh, truthfully, that's about all I've had the chance to watch. It's been one of those good old busy weeks for me. Um, but, yep. Yeah, I think we said last week that Letterkenny is uh, season nine is coming out on Boxing Day. Yes. Did we hit that last week? I can't remember. I know we yeah, did. A, yes, we did a lot of Letterkenny the, last the week. The trailer came out that day. Yeah. You had seen it, and I hadn't yet. And That's then I watched right. it like right after we finished. That's right. So yes, Letterkenny season nine Boxing Day. Um, it'll be the greatest Boxing Day maybe ever. You know, all, all we need is a, a Tottenham, a Liverpool win. And Letterkenny, and we'll be too. We'll be too happy. Uh, southern, south of the border, DJs. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell you what, if you've got a problem with Maradona, you've got a problem with me. And I suggest you let that one marinate. Let that one marinate. Oh. Oh man. Maradona is a national treasure, like Canada Goose is a national treasure. You got a problem with that? You got a problem with me? Let that marinate. Every time we try to have something in this world, people just try to fucking take it away from us. We should leave this world behind. I can watch your oh, kids ball off bikes all day. I don't give a fuck about <laughs> Used to be we had plenty of football. We, we used to be we never had access to any of our football stars. Now Nowadays, you have too much access. Must be real fucking nice. Real fucking nice. Oh, man. I, I just rewatched that episode today because of like... <laughs> I really want to rewatch the Canadian uh, Gooses episode because that's it's so good. Just just uh, watching just everything about that episode from from the the descent into madness again from the coach 
Um, and also, I forget that that's actually the first time you hear that his wife Barb is dead. Right. Um, um, and the, the the origination of there's a special place in heaven for uh, animal lovers. There is a special um, place in heaven for animal lovers. Thank you, Mr. Murray. <laughs> so they get her a cocksucking GNT. Oh man! And just the way that episode starts with talking about ants on Cedus. Oh, uh, it's it's so great. It's such a great scene and a great show. So I, I think what I'm doing now is I'm just going to like kind of pop around and, and look through and be like, oh, yeah, I want to rewatch that episode. Oh, yeah, I'm going to rewatch that episode. So, uh, can of gooses. Can of can of deuces. <laughs> oh, man. So great. Fucking embarrassing. Um, well, Am I watching anything else? Uh, I feel like there's something I watched. No, Letter Kenny takes over and that's all you need to watch. That's actually kind of true. Um, and you want to talk about... And let's move on to the next subject. Exactly. Before um, I say the worst word on her. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, Miss McMurray's a lush. Anyway, um, so I'll do it for this episode of the A Foreign Affair Podcast. Episode 342, the our latest pre-Thanksgiving special episode um as we always no job turkeys heck no um what was i gonna say oh yeah thanks ngsc sports at ngscsports.com we never stop um you can find them on the social media as well as us on twitter uh as a collective we are at afa pod west you are i'm at west bradshaw 21 i am at edward green you can also find us on facebook instagram and youtube via our parent show the all new sports show and email us at all new sports show at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to our podcast providers, including Podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, so we will be back next week for another edition of the AFA Pod. Uh, we'll have plenty more Premier League to talk about. We'll have plenty more Champions League to talk about as we wrap up week five of that and head into the final week with everything to play for for some teams. Um, but as we exit out of here, Wes, uh, as we head about to roll into American Thanksgiving, which is not nearly as cool as Canadian Thanksgiving, um, any anything else you want to mention? Just watch the college football, man. Um, I don't know how the hell it's going to end because <laughs> no one does. COVID's fucking everything up from week to week. Apparently, Miami's not playing again for another two weeks. I don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> Enjoy the football while you can, folks, because. God, it's it's actually it's been a really fun season. I actually uh, I watched not it wasn't college football but it was college basketball. I noticed that I, I all of a sudden realized today that that started. Um, yeah, literally actually, that started like today. So. Yeah, I watched the uh, the first uh, game for uh, UNC on the season as they were playing uh, I think College of Charleston. So I watched like the first half and really it was more just like how are they even doing this? What what's the setup over there at the Dean Smith Center? Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. It is, it is interesting. I will give them that. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how long college basketball lasts is uh, already, there've been multiple coaches who have, who've been identified as positive with COVID. So I'm sure this will be great, especially as we start heading into the winter, it's going to be just fine. Don't, it's fine. Everyone don't worry. Um, uh, just a piece. I said, I, be- I believe it. I believe you, Joe Biden. You can make this go away. Yeah. Uh, Snap your finger. Snap your fingers as soon as you're president and make this go away. 
Uh, unfortunately, he's not Thanos. He can't. He can't oh. just do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. If anyone's Thanos, it's definitely Nancy Pelosi. With that, let's head out of here on the Afford and Affair podcast, episode 342. For McCullen Crime, West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thanks so much for joining us here this week. Uh, as always, do on this very special Thanksgiving week, be safe and enjoy the football. Good night, Naples. Good night, Buenos Aires. Yeah. Good night. Good night, Maradona. You are the good. In a lot of people's minds, he probably is. I, I would I would call him I would to use since you used the uh, the um, the wrestling analogy earlier I would call him I would call him the people's champ I would call oh, him the great way to put it Pele uh, Pele was Pele was I, oh, I don't what what would you call him like like you used the rock but he was like he was the corporate rock there it is. Corporate. Oh, kind of that kind of shits on Pele's. I mean, Pele's yeah. ultra beloved. Yeah, it's just Maradona's just Maradona just had like that edgy streak to him. Yeah, Pele, Pele's just like squeaky clean. I, I was Pele actually just didn't, Pele didn't do shit. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's nothing against Pele. He just wasn't as colorful and addicted to cocaine. Like, yeah. He just, You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.